this is our 14th week in this series. And we'll probably try to wrap it up in the next two or three sessions together with just some thoughts about Paul as we've looked at his life and his ministry. And I hope you've been encouraged through it and challenged through it and that you might feel like you know Paul a little bit better. I know that I do as I've kind of focused on different parts of his ministry. And I want to talk about Paul the prisoner today. Uh, And we'll probably end up doing this in two parts, I think. Uh, Paul the prisoner. And we know that he, he spent quite a bit of time incarcerated uh, for his ministry for the Lord, his stand for the Lord, uh, just because he was doing what God had called him to do. And it's interesting that in the beginning of his ministry, or before the beginning of his uh, ministry for the Lord, he was the one that was out hunting for Christians to put them in jail. And then the tables kind of turn as he decides to serve the Lord with his life, uh, he ends up in the same place that he was putting people. And so this morning we'll see how Paul was arrested, how he was put in jail more than once uh, because of opposition. But anytime Paul uh, was imprisoned, it seems like Paul wasn't, uh, he, he was never embarrassed by it. Uh, it was never something that uh, he really kind of shied away from. He was always willing to take a stand for the Lord, regardless of what the cost was. Paul was always willing to stand for the Lord. And because of the times that Paul went to jail, as we'll see this morning, he met some incredible opportunities to witness for the Lord and to meet some very unique people that had he not gone through this type of persecution, he may not have met some of these individuals that we'll look at this morning. So this was a unique witnessing opportunity. I don't know how many people would sign up for, you know, you talk about having the jail ministry at your church. You hear churches have jail ministry. Well, Paul had a jail ministry, uh, but his was not just going into the jail to preach and then leave. Paul was going into the jail and he was staying, wasn't he? And I don't know how many people would sign up for that kind of jail ministry, but that's what Paul did. And he also used this time in jail. Not only did he use it to witness to people, uh, but I think we'll look at this next Sunday. Does anybody know what was, uh, one of the other great things Paul did while he was in prison? He wrote a good portion of scripture behind those jail cells, the prison epistles. And those are probably the ones that we'll look at next Sunday. I don't think we'll have time to get to them today, but we'll look at some of his prison epistles, those letters that he wrote uh, to some individuals and some churches during his time that he spent in jail, and I think we can be encouraged by it. Um, I told you to turn to the book of Acts, but I actually want to start, flip over to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, We won't look at what Paul wrote here, but we'll see through the book of 1 Peter what was true in Paul's life. In 1 Peter chapter number 4, I want you to look down to verse number 12, because uh, there's three key things I want us to take away from today, from the next couple of weeks, as we sort of wrap up this biographical study on Paul. And that's that we have to understand and accept the fact that serving the Lord, standing for the Lord, uh, ministering for the Lord, a lot of times there comes a great personal cost for doing that. It was especially true in this first century. These first century believers, it sort of seems like through every single book that we read in this early church, that thread running through there, an encouragement to these believers that there's going to be tribulations and that there's going to be a cost 
for taking a stand for the Lord. Uh, But God can bring good out of the opposition that we face from man. Uh, what God meant for e- uh, what uh, you meant for evil, God meant for good. What Joseph said to his brothers, uh, the Romans eight twenty eight of the Old Testament. Uh, Paul said that as well in Romans eight twenty eight, didn't he? That God works all things together for good. And look at all of these trials, these tribulations that the first century believers went through, that the Apostle Paul went through, and through that, it should drive us to determine to choose that we're going to be faithful Christians just like those early believers were, just like the Apostle Paul was, and that we're going to be busy for God no matter where he puts us, no matter where he places us, no matter what the circumstances are, we're going to be faithful to the Lord. So look at verse number 12 in 1 Peter and think about the Apostle Paul in prison. As he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice. Well, that's kind of uh, ironic to say, isn't it? Rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be also, glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now that was carried out in the life of Paul, wasn't it? We see that over and over again in his life. And that's what we'll see this morning as Paul the prisoner. And it's kind of interesting. There's a pattern that we notice in the life of Paul. Uh, all throughout this series, all throughout the, the study of Paul's life in Scripture, anytime Paul was preaching, whether it was to a group, uh, whether it was to individuals, Paul was always faithful to preach the word. But then what would happen because of that? We've got a slide for this, John. Uh, there would be some that would receive it joyfully when Paul would preach. You look at his missionary journeys, uh, they would receive it joyfully. Then you would have some that would be indifferent. But almost always, whenever Paul was preaching, without the other two groups, there were always some who actively opposed Paul's message. That was the pattern from city to city to city, from place to place to place that Paul went. This pattern was repeated over and over again. And so as believers, it shouldn't surprise us when there's opposition to the message of the Word of God. When you take a stand for Christ, when you preach a message of Christ, don't be surprised if there are people who oppose the message. Don't be surprised that the world doesn't appreciate the things of God. The world doesn't appreciate the things of God. And sometimes when our efforts to serve the Lord are met with opposition from the world and from uh, the devil, a lot of times we're kind of tempted to to back off. We might be tempted to kind of quit because of that. But we shouldn't do that. Let's remember the example that Paul set for us. I want you to see first of all this morning Paul's commitment And we'll talk about two things about his commitment. Uh, I remember this quote. I read it years and years ago. Uh, I don't remember who it was that said it, but it's one that I had written down. And that's our level of commitment often determines 
our level of accomplishment. Our level of commitment often determines our level of accomplishment. And if you want something badly enough, we usually make it happen, don't we? The things that we care the most about, we find a way to make those happen. And that should be true, especially when it comes to our spiritual goals. It was in Paul's life. Uh, Paul had a deep commitment. Uh, He knew that God was directing him. He knew God had given him a purpose. God had given him a plan. And Paul was determined to carry out that goal no matter what happened. And it reminds us all throughout Scripture, even in the life of Jesus... Over and over again, Jesus would constantly uh, talk about the fact that he knew what his father's plan was. He knew what his father's will was. And there would be people that would try to uh, persuade him uh, not to go on. Uh, Even some of his own disciples. You remember when Peter tried to step in front of him and, uh, and Jesus had to tell him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because Jesus, he was committed to following the father's will for his life. Jesus prayed in the garden. Uh, He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, thy will be done. Uh, In other places, Jesus, it says that he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. He knew what was waiting ahead for him, but he was committed to following the Father's will for his life. And Paul declared that same kind of commitment. We talked about this a few weeks ago in Philippians chapter 3. He talked about how he was pressing toward the mark. He said, I've got to forget the things that are behind in life. I'm committed to following the will of God. And that's how we have to be in our lives. And the first way I see Paul's commitment is through the fact that he was committed to reaching people for the Lord regardless of the cost. When Paul got saved, he got saved. And when Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he did a complete 180 in his life. And instead of persecuting Christians, he went out trying to convert people. And he knew that there were going to be some trials and some problems. But Paul was committed to reaching people regardless of what the cost was. Uh, Even when it was unpopular. Many times the message that Paul preached was very unpopular. We talked about how mobs would travel miles and miles and miles from one city to the next just to stir up trouble where Paul was preaching. But did it stop Paul? Absolutely not. In Acts chapter 21, this is one example. This is at the close of Paul's third missionary journey. Acts chapter 21, verse number 30. It tells us all the city was moved. The people ran together and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple. Forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, wow, It was a very unpopular message. Tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when they could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people, uh, for the multitude of the people following uh, after crying, away with him. Uh, Paul was committed to reaching people for the Lord regardless of the cost. He ends up in jail in the next several chapters of Acts, chapter 22, 23, 24. This goes through the trials 
that Paul went through, uh, the formal charges, standing trial uh, for this preaching that he was doing. And we'll kind of look at some of these verses and skip around over the next couple of chapters as we go through there. Uh, But there's some costs that come with taking a stand for the Lord and preaching a message like this. And there may be opposition that you face in your life. Uh, It may not be the same kind of opposition that Paul faced. But you'll face some opposition. Don't don't be surprised when that happens. Don't get discouraged when that happens. Don't don't get defeated, down and out, sit on the sideline or say, I'm going to quit because of it. Uh, No, stay committed to serving the Lord. Uh, You may lose some friends when you decide to serve Jesus with your life. I know, I remember part of Joey's testimony when he came and got back into church here. He'd been out of church for several years, and if you've heard his testimony, you remember this, that he talked about some of the friends that he had made. But when he got back into church, he kind of rededicated his life to serve the Lord. He lost some friends very quickly after that because that group of people, they didn't want to be around somebody like that. Uh, He had some very close friends, and it hurts to lose friends like that, but that's what happened in his life. There's some costs that can come associated with it. It can be in the workplace. You may have a supervisor, an employer, a boss, somebody like that that doesn't uh, have the same sort of religious beliefs that you have, uh, and many times it's taken out on you. But don't be discouraged because of it. Keep serving Jesus. Stay committed. It makes me think of, um, we read the biography last Sunday of Adoniram Judson the man that Judd Sonia, Arkansas, is named after. You talk about commitment. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There is a series, and I found it on YouTube. It's from a a group called Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, They they specialize in showing videos, writing books, that the people who have sacrificed a lot for the Lord in their life. And they have a series of cartoons, each about 30 minutes long, called the the torchlighters, and they're available to watch on YouTube, and if you have kids, I'd recommend that you show them. They've they've got the story of Adoniram and Ann Judson. They've got the story of um, Jim Elliott, uh, all sorts of great people throughout history, and they've made made 30-minute cartoons out of it, and these are great to show your kids, and so I was looking for a way the other day to see if there was something else they would stream on. This is just sort of a side note, but there is a free app called Redeem TV. Uh, It's ad-free. And there's no subscription to it, but they've got all sorts of children's programming, um, Christian programming. It had Sheffy on there. They've got all sorts of uh, Christian or religious or clean programming, uh, absolutely free to to watch. And they've got this entire Torchlighter cartoon series on there uh, for children. So uh, if if you're interested in that sort of programming in your home, uh, download Redeem TV, the app, and you can watch that. we watched the one about Adoniram Judson a few days ago, and it was good. We, we really enjoyed that. But he went to Burma for 18 years without a furlough. The first six years, as we heard last Sunday, he spent without a convert. Now, that would be discouraging. You say, God's called me to go preach the gospel, and you, you, know, you expect people to come to know Christ as Savior, but you spend six years before you see any fruit? That could be discouraging. He went through torture. He went through imprisonment. 
he wrote in his diary that he never saw a ship sail without wanting to jump on board and go home. But he stayed. And he kept preaching the gospel. And finally they saw that first convert. The day came, though, when his wife's health, uh, it, it went downhill. And so he put her on a ship headed back home. He wouldn't go home for another two years. So he knew that he's not going to see his wife for at least two more years. And he wrote in his diary after he'd sent her home, he said, if we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could only spend the rest of our days in peace. But then he wrote this after. Life is short. Millions of Burmese are perishing. I am almost the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he remained committed. And they, praise God, began to see other people come to know Christ as Savior. And Adoniram Judson is one of the, the great ministers and missionaries of history along with his wife. And real gospel ministry, it's always going to encounter opposition. When you're serving the Lord and you're actually doing the work, there's going to be opposition to it. Uh, if you have been reading through the book of Nehemiah this week, uh, preparing for this challenge against the teens on Wednesday night, I don't know what kind of deal was made in here. I didn't hear that, but I, I told the teens that if the teens can, can beat the adults on Wednesday night, next Wednesday night the teens are getting pizza uh, provided for them. So they have, they've got an incentive uh, to, to compete against the adults Wednesday night in this challenge. But when you read through the book of Nehemiah, what's one of the things that you see? They faced opposition, didn't they? Yeah, oh no. <laughs> they wanted to go meet in the plain of Ono. And what did Nehemiah say? He said, oh, the, the work is too great. He said, I can't come down. And what were they doing? They were, they were laying brick with one hand, and they had a sword in the other. They were building and battling at the same time because there was opposition to the work of God. Real Ministry for the Lord always encounters opposition. And it may not be that you have to lay brick and carry a sword in the other hand. It may not be what Paul experienced. Uh, but you can be sure that it will come. Uh, in this world ye shall have tribulation, Jesus said. It's going to happen. But Paul was committed to the Lord. And during those times that Paul faced opposition, you know what he did? He dug in his heels and he continued to share the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That ought to be the example to us. When there's opposition in your life, that's not the time to quit. That's the time to dig in. Paul said, none of these things move me. None of these things are going to shake me. None of these things are going to stop me. Uh, I'm, I'm digging in my heels and I'm going to keep preaching the message of Jesus Christ. Then notice Paul's commitment was also, he rejoiced in the Lord regardless of the circumstances. You just immediately think of being persecuted... How could you rejoice in this time? Well, what did, what did Peter write? He, he said, uh, you know, you should be happy. Consider yourself blessed. Uh, rejoice when there's persecution and there's suffering. Paul didn't have bitterness. He didn't have anger. He didn't have hate. Remember Paul and Silas uh, there in Philippi, chapter 16? They were in prison, and at midnight, what were they doing? They were singing praises to God. It wasn't ideal circumstances, was it? That's not where we want to be at midnight. 
But Paul rejoiced regardless of his circumstances. It didn't matter if he was in chains, if he was free, if he was on a ship, if he was in a boat, if he was in a shipwreck, he rejoiced. He praised God. And we never see Paul complaining. We never see Paul criticizing. We never see Paul bitter because of it. I think Paul, he knew, he talked about how he carried in him the scars of the Lord Jesus. I think Paul counted it a true honor. It was the least that he could do with his life to serve Jesus. After what Jesus had done for him, he he couldn't complain. In fact, Paul said at one point, he said, I have a desire to depart. He he, He was looking forward to heaven. He said, I've got to stay here for the time being. The Lord's not done with me here. I've still got some things to accomplish for him, but I'm looking forward to the day that I do get to go home to heaven. That's why he could rejoice. He rejoiced because he knew Jesus went to the cross for him. He knew that Jesus suffered for him. He pictured the the crown of thorns on the head of Jesus, the scars that were on his back. If Jesus could do that for him, maybe he could suffer for Jesus. And that's an amazing attribute in the life of Paul. And it's one we ought to strive toward. I'm sure there were days, you know, Paul, Paul had the same flesh we do. What did Paul say? He said, I have to die daily. We have to crucify the flesh. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to pray for the filling of the Spirit. Uh, you don't just get up every morning uh, thinking that, man, this is a wonderful day to go and, and face some persecution. I'm sure Paul needed the, the power of the Holy Spirit in his life to help him through that time. But he made it through it. And he rejoiced in it. Paul was committed. And then notice Paul's courage. Let's look at a couple things about Paul's courage. At the end of Acts chapter 21, if we go down to verse number 40, we'll see that Paul was courageous to testify at every opportunity. Paul was always looking for the the moment that he could testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that verse in the book of Psalms. I think we're going to be reading this this morning where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Paul was always ready to testify. He had a word to speak for the Lord. We we talked about Robert Sheffy last Sunday. Before he became a circuit-riding preacher, one of the things he would do, he would travel and he would go from church to church and just sit there to be an encouragement to people and to speak a word for the Lord to testify before he even got up and was the preacher. He just wanted to be there to testify about Jesus. Look down at verse number 40. Paul's been carried away by these soldiers. Uh, They're trying to protect him for his own safety because of this mob that's there. And so they bring him into the castle, and Paul stops him, and he says, Can I uh, address this, this mob of people? Verse number 40. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. 
And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. And also the high priest doth bear me witness. And all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And he begins to recount that Damascus road encounter with Jesus. What is he doing? He's sharing his testimony. He says, hey, I was just like you were. I was, a, I was a spiritual man. I was a religious individual. I was zealous toward God. I thought I was doing the right thing. I persecuted people this way. I was just as upset as you were to hear people preaching about Jesus. But then I actually met Jesus. And let me tell you how he changed my life. And he can do the same for you. Hey, that's what our testimony is. It's how God's done, worked in our heart and how he's done something for us and how he can do the same for somebody else. You say, man, I don't know how to witness to somebody. I don't know all the verses to go to. Well, what did Jesus do for you? How did he save you? Share that story with somebody. Your personal testimony is one of those powerful witnessing tools that you have. How God saved you, how God delivered you, how God changed you. And how you serving him now. The difference that Jesus made. Wow. Most people in Paul's position, here he is, he's being carried away, he's got a mob of people. Uh, you'd be thinking about, okay, how can I preserve my life here? How can, I, how can I keep from getting killed? Your mind's not on, hey, let me stop these people and see if I can address them and share my testimony with them. But that's what Paul wanted to do. Paul wanted to share his testimony. Wow. You know, sometimes God places us in uncomfortable situations. And those are the perfect opportunities to share the gospel with somebody and talk about our faith. Uh, there's been times before, I remember seeing Dad uh, in the hospital. I don't know, uh, he seems one of his favorite hobbies is to have surgery these days, it seems like. He's got another one coming up next month. But I don't know how many times uh, we've been in the hospital with Dad. When he had heart surgery, open heart surgery, he's had a heart attack, he's got to have open heart surgery, uh, he's had all sorts of surgeries. But I've seen him many times while he's the patient, he's in bed, uh, he's recovering from surgery, something like that. It's an uncomfortable situation, literally. But he'll take time to witness to a nurse, to talk with a doctor, uh, to talk about his faith. Sometimes we get put in uncomfortable situations, but those are opportunities for us. Paul always saw them as opportunities. Man, this group of people, I can share the gospel with them. Let me, let me talk about Jesus. And sometimes God places us there just so our paths cross with somebody who needs to hear the gospel. I don't know if Paul would have ever had another chance to address that crowd as he's being carried away. Would Paul ever have that group of people together where he could preach the gospel to them? I don't know. And he didn't know. So what did he do? He took the opportunity right then to preach the gospel to him. He was courageous. So we shouldn't be hesitant. We shouldn't be fearful about testifying for the Lord. Especially when we're uh, here together at church. You know, we have testimony time. Sometimes we're a little bit shy. We don't want to raise our hand. We don't want to say something. Well, no, uh, we're family here. I mean, we don't have any opposition here this morning. 
Uh, we should easily be able to raise our hands and testify. Uh, praise the Lord for this in my life. This morning I was listening to uh, a song about um, the mercy of God. And this Thanksgiving season, man, that's something to be thankful for. How about God's mercy? He's withheld from us what we deserve. That's hell. But praise God in his mercy, he saved us. And Paul was courageous to testify. And he was courageous to trust through every opposition. Uh, time after time, Paul would just enter courageously into these really hostile situations, uh, but he kept trust in the Lord. Look down to verse number 22 of chapter 22. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Uh, in this instance here, Paul's about to be uh, scourged. This, this is something Paul's endured before. He's gone through this. This isn't new to Paul. Um, but Paul didn't just suddenly, you know, sort of uh, lose his mind, drop down to his knees, start begging for mercy. Um, what did he do? He, he trusted God to give him the words to say. And he remembered, hey, I have some rights. And so he spoke rationally uh, and reasonably, uh, but in the face of opposition, over and over again, we see Paul trusting the Lord. I think of a man like Jim Elliott and the, uh, the other men there in, uh, with him in Ecuador as they tried to reach the Alca Indians for Christ. Uh, they trusted the Lord. They knew that they, were, that they were in a hostile situation, but they had a, a deep desire burning within them to take the gospel to a group of people that had never heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they lost their lives because of it. They were speared to death. They had guns on their, strapped on their hips. They could have pulled their firearms. They could have, they could have escaped. But they knew that if they were to kill those men, they'd send them instantly to hell. And they chose to keep their guns holstered. They chose to lay their lives down as a sacrifice. And because of the sacrifice that they made, their wives, within a few years, had the opportunity to see the same people who killed their husbands come to know Christ as Savior. They just trusted God in the face of opposition. Now, that takes a lot of courage to do that. Paul had that type of courage in his life. I think of a courage uh, from the three Hebrew boys. They walked through fire, literally, didn't they? But they weren't there alone. What King Nebuchadnezzar see when he looked in? He said, man, I see a fourth man. Yeah. Jesus walks right beside us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, David said. Now, we don't have to be afraid of shadows, do we? 
Shadows can't hurt us. Kids, you know, we're afraid of uh, the dark, right? Kids are scared of the dark. Isn't that what a Home Alone guy said? Shadows, we get, we get scared by those. But when we turn the light on, dad comes into the room, the shadows go away, we realize there's nothing to be scared of. That's how it is. Jesus walks by our side. We can have courage. Just learn to trust him. Joshua, when Moses was passing off the scene and he had to lead the nation of Israel, Joshua, he needed some courage to lead the people of Israel, didn't he? And you read the first chapter of the book of Joshua and about ten verses there, over and over again, God tells Joshua what? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. That makes the difference. If he had to go at it alone, we couldn't do it. But when God says, I'll go with you, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's our father. He cares about us. Paul said, uh, uh, Peter said, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that Paul served. So we can have this same type of courage as we testify for the Lord and we learn to always trust him. And I think we're going to just stop right there this morning as we, we've still got some more of this to go through, and I just I don't want to rush through it. I want, to, I want us to take what we see in the, the life of Paul as a prisoner, because I think it can be an encouragement and a help to us as we go through uh, and be a, a reminder to us. Hey, if Paul can do that, I can do it. Uh, Paul was just a, a regular, ordinary man. He's just like us. He just had a great faith, in a great God. Uh, I, that's, I, I think of Nehemiah all the time being a, a man of great faith with a great God. Paul was the same way. It wasn't anything special about any of these individuals we read about in Scripture. They weren't superheroes. They weren't superhumans. They were just flawed individuals that knew where to place their trust. And they continue to serve God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity we've had to look uh, some into the life of Paul and his... Uh, opposition and his imprisonments. We'll continue to look at that, Lord. I pray that we would take courage from it. We would take comfort from it. We would take it as an example in our lives. And that we'll be reminded of your faithfulness and your goodness, that if you were faithful to those in the past, you'll be just as faithful to us today. That you walk by our side. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Help us to put our trust in you. Help us to look for opportunities this week to testify for you. Maybe some situation that we encounter. Someone you bring across our path. Help us to be a shining example for you. A light that points people back to you. Lord, we pray that you'd have your will and way in our morning service and that you'd have our hearts prepared for the music, for the preaching. Everything that we do this morning, God, let it be an act of worship because of how good you've been to us. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.